is the number one commodity in the world that you can't get back once it's gone. Time. So I will keep this brief. I'm Muthita Panmuk, a time efficiency expert and a business operations strategist, who is as known as the Time Queen. Welcome to my Get Unstuck Radio. Running a business can be very overwhelming at times, especially in the first few years when you are required to wear the hats and do other things. You started your company because you had a vision that almost every business owner has when they begin. You wanted freedom, true freedom. So you are in the right place to help you build and grow your business that support your lifestyle. Not the other way around. Without further ado, let's get unstuck. Hi everyone. So today I have a very special guest here because he is one of my mentors. Please welcome Dan Nicholson to Get Unstuck Radio. Dan is non-conventional accountant. I will let him explain what that actually means. And he's a wealth wizard who helps purpose-driven entrepreneurs achieve financial certainty. Thank you for joining me today, Dan. Uh, super excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So I know you always introduce yourself with like business people or non-conventional accountant. What does that actually mean? Yeah. yeah so years ago. Um, I kind of realized that if I told someone that I uh, had an accounting degree or did any work in accounting, that immediately I would be uh, stereotyped as basically a, a boring person. They're like, oh, okay, you do accounting, got it. You sound, you're probably really boring and uninteresting. It was always this sort of like end of a conversation. You could imagine like a screeching halt of a, you know, uh, a car in the, the break sound, that's what it felt like in conversations when I would tell someone that I uh, did work in accounting. And so I started referring to myself first as a business person because folks would go like, business person? That's like the vaguest term you could possibly use. Like, what does that even mean? What, what, what do you mean you're a business person? And so that would at least be the entryway into a conversation about who I am and what I do. And then later when I started a CPA firm, which about 10 years ago now, uh, I had a similar experience when I would go out networking and, and uh, folks would say, oh, what do, what do you do? And I, oh, I run a, a, I run a CPA firm. And it was that same exact kind of screeching halt. And so I started referring to myself as a non-conventional accountant or a business person, but mostly non-conventional. And they would go, okay, well, what is, what is a non-conventional accountant? What, I, I know what an accountant is, but what is non-conventional? So I've used those as a way to have a conversation and try to get past whatever preconceived notions people have about who who I am. And what inspired you to start CPA firm then? Yeah, well, maybe to backtrack a little bit as a, you can imagine kind of the cliche kid growing up scheming on business ideas. Uh, That was me as, that was me as a kid. So, I've always sort of been an entrepreneur and I, I went into business school as a marketing major and, uh, and then sort of realized that or saw kind of the data and a bunch of things happened. Uh, but there's a surprising number of fortune 500 CEOs who have started in accounting and it sort of made sense to me. It's accounting is the language of business. If you understand the numbers, then 
uh, you probably understand what's going on with, with the business. So I shifted to an accounting degree and then also a, a degree in information systems because I thought, okay, technology background, accounting background, that combination would be a good skill set to be an entrepreneur. And then I went about as far away as you can get from being an entrepreneur, which is I did a fellowship at the board that writes all the U.S. accounting standards. And uh, that put me on this whole other path uh, of being a really uh, uh, technical accountant. Uh, and I was wor I worked on a uh, derivatives and hedge accounting thing, which I will not bore everyone with what that is and what that means. But anyhow, long story long, I went in this whole other separate direction for years and I was miserable and I kept changing jobs and I kept blaming the employers when really it was just me not content in what I was doing. And then finally, 10 years ago, I realized, uh, I think there's a huge opportunity to be, do something totally different in the accounting CPA space. And that was an, the justification for me to quit, quit a job and, uh, and become an entrepreneur. Most people don't associate CPAs or accounting firms with, with uh, entrepreneurs, but I needed that permission uh, as silly as it might sound to go like, okay, there's a market opportunity here and I've got all this experience and I'm good at it. So I'm going to focus on this space uh, primarily because I'm the first person in my family to go to college. I'm what, when I was in my mid twenties, I was making more than my parents ever had. And I just carried with me a bunch of guilt about how they sacrificed for me to go to college and get all this experience. And then, uh, then I felt bad about how almost ungrateful I was about it. And so I needed a, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs kind of struggle with this too. I needed, uh, something that where I could kind of, uh, take advantage of the skills that I had developed up to that point. So it didn't feel like I was like slighting anyone, even though my parents have always been really uh, supportive. Like they would have, been supportive of anything that I, I uh, would have done. It was just the, the stories that I was telling myself. Yeah, I think I'm on the same path as you currently. Like, I'm back home here in Thailand, and yeah, indeed. My parents stopped asking me already what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they are like, okay, you just do whatever you have to do. Like, I think the other week that, like, I was checking, my hand was checking, doing live video, my mom just, like, sent me over the gimbal right away. So I was yep. like, that's, that's somehow, like, how supportive the parents is like at the point that they found you very happy doing what you are doing, whatever it takes, especially I'm an only child. They're yeah. just like all in for me. So for you, how, I mean, what we share the core belief is that um, we build a business that support our life goals, our lifestyle and the priority. So let's get into that a little bit. Why priority in life really matters in your opinions. Yeah, there's a few things that come to mind and it's really what I'm most passionate about. And what, what I've seen in uh, working with the super rich, so as I mentioned, uh, working in derivatives and hedging, like hedge funds, and uh, it was mostly helping make more billions. And even when I was working with the super wealthy and the person who's starting up their business, they're struggling with very similar issues conceptually the problems were, um, the magnitude of the problems were different, but the theme, the substance of the issue was the same. Uh, asking the question, am I gonna be okay? 
In other words, am I going to run out of money at some point? It might seem silly for someone who has several million or hundreds of millions to worry about that, but uh, it's that sort of more money, more problems scenario where uh, as people make more, they spend more. Mm -hmm. And so uh, now their lifestyle has expanded so significantly that uh, the expenses and everything is, can, can still be pretty massive. And so uh, worrying about, am I going to be okay? And uh, I call that financial certainty. So uh, everyone is in search of financial certainty. We all just have a different definition of what financial certainty is. Uh, and so we all know we need a certain amount to retire and maybe we want to own a house and have a certain amount of reserves, but the amount that we need is different and varies based off lifestyle and where we live. And also the things that we want are different. I have some clients who want a farm and animals and other clients who want a yacht and second homes. And then other folks who are like, I want to live as sparse of a life, stoic life as possible. And that's sort of my second point, which is, uh, everyone is right. That's their preference. So, uh, you're allowed to want whatever you want. And, uh, and so inherently we're all faced with these challenges of how do we navigate preference-based decisions? In other words, uh, should I grow my business or should I not? Like that's to a large degree a preference when you're a, when you're a closely held business that you get to choose. If you're a big, uh, publicly traded company, you don't get to choose. You always have to grow to, um, that's your obligation to your shareholders. But for a closely held business, you get to choose. And so we got all these preference-based decisions. How do we navigate that? And, and then lastly, entrepreneurs are terrible at, mostly at making what I call asymmetric bets. Bets where the upside is way uh, substantially greater than the downside. And so oftentimes people are making bets where they spend a dollar and they might make $2 back. Um, but uh, that's not really asymmetric. The reward relative to the risk is not substantial. And often I see folks making bets where the downside is way worse. It's like either I'm going to be a millionaire or I'm going to be homeless. Well, homeless and losing your family and all of that is way worse than having several hundred thousand or a million dollars. So the downside is way worse. So uh, those were the themes and issues that I was seeing, uh, that everyone wanted financial certainty, uh, uh, but they were faced with all these preference-based decisions and they couldn't go Google the answer to it. And, uh, and then lastly, they didn't know how to make these asymmetric bets. And so I developed a toolkit to help people solve that problem, a set of problems. And it all goes back to number one, defining your profit priorities. What are the things that you want? When do you want them by? And how much will they cost? And it seems really basic, but once you put that down in order, the things you want, when you want them, want them by, and how much they cost, then you can actually do math to figure out how much more you need to reach those objectives, because we've turned it into basically an algorithm at that point. And I built a tool, the Certainty app, to do that. Um, that exact thing, but it, uh, as basic as it may seem, it's fundamental to being able to uh, start to answer all of those preference-based decisions because everything should get you back to what you actually want, 
And if you haven't defined what you actually want, then how do you answer those questions? So. Yeah, if you said nothing, you reach nothing, right? Like, it's always like that in my belief. So, and also it's about clarity as well. Like many people not really able to explain what they really want. And it takes time though to like exactly to digest and also like taking time that right now, talking about right now, not like in the future, not like what you used to want, but right now, what exactly do you want? So I want to ask you about this again. Um, I know that we should like have this priority and also setting this up to, to work toward, optimizing things towards, but how often we should come back to this list? Yeah, that's a good question. So uh, you put together the list and then uh, you want to uh, sit on that. And uh, after you put together the list initially, uh, you're gonna wanna come back to it in a few days uh, to see if these are really the things that you actually wanted. Do you hear my daughter in the background? Yeah. Do you hear a bunch of background noise? I hear that, but that's, do you hear my raining? It's raining here. No, I don't hear that, but do you hear her tearing paper? Yeah. I mean, it's okay though. It's not that like noisy or something. I don't know if you can edit this part out. Hey, Cor, can you please stop uh, tearing paper? It's really loud. Okay. All right, thank you. Sorry thank about you. that. Um, so, uh, maybe I can just start over answering that question. So in terms of checking your um, priorities, uh, it's really important that once you um, define them initially that you come back a few days later to make sure that those are actually your, pri your priorities. Oftentimes I find that what people write out initially is what they think they're supposed to write down. Mm. All the things you're told on social media that you're supposed to do or all those, the maybe the the biases that you have from your family history and all of that. So um, we want to write it out and, and then revisit it a few days later. Uh, I often do this with just my own decision making now where I, there's something I want to do and I'm like, okay, do, a week from now, do I still want this? And if I don't or I'm not passionate about it, then I'm going to move, move on. It, I was probably biased by some dopamine hit that I had recently and, and, uh, and so uh, setting them initially, and then you want to come back to it a few days later. And then you want to revisit it at least quarterly thereafter, uh, or when you have a major life change or inflection point in your business. So, you know, obvious major life changes you get married, you have kids, you buy a house, you start a business. Uh, those are major changes where you want to revisit those priorities right away. Uh, and then similarly in your business, when you hit a new milestone, so maybe that's uh, you hit a revenue target, um, you hire, hit a staffing target, a number of clients, that uh, that may change your priorities as well. So to give you a practical example, uh, once I got to a certain level in my CPA firm business, I went, I want 10 more hours of white space. Uh, and so that became a new priority. You know, buying time is, there's a cost to having 10 more hours of time. And so that was a new priority that I didn't previously have. And it was sort of at an inflection point of going like, okay, I'm making enough. Uh, I don't necessarily want to hire more folks. What I really want is more personal time. So it's, a, it's sort of a, 
uh, at least quarterly, but there can be trigger events that are going to cause you to, to do it sooner. Right. Yeah, that's makes a lot of sense. I mean, it really depends on each person. It is, of course, preference based. So let's go back a little bit. How, like, how long you came up with this method or like with this ideas that you have two priorities or like making decisions according to this framework in your entrepreneurial journey? Yeah. Um, about seven years ago, my business partner, Nolan and I, so Nolan actually joined the firm about eight years ago, but we've been friends since our very first class of college, fresh, freshman English. So at this point we've been known each other for um, more than half of our life. Mm -hmm. date myself a little bit. So he joined and um, about eight years ago and then a year after that, so seven years ago, we noticed just a challenge with onboarding clients. Mm. Um, and from that, we designed this roadmap process. Mm. And uh, we use this principle that when basically when the answer is not readily apparent, do the opposite or invert. So whenever we can't figure something out, let's just invert. So we're looking at onboarding clients and we're seeing these consistent issues and we're looking out at other firms and saying, oh, they have these same issues, scope creep issues. And uh, you bring somebody on to do their bookkeeping, for example, and then you realize a couple months later that you've committed to this long-term relationship, but really um, you don't even know, hardly know the person. Uh, how can I, is this really someone I'm gonna wanna work with day in, day out in perpetuity? Uh, or we get into it and it seemed like it was gonna be an easy project, but there's all these issues that need to be addressed. So we started doing a roadmap, which is basically, uh, let's build you a customized plan first before we commit to anything ongoing. It's kind of a way to date before we get married. Mm. So we started doing that. And uh, so we started having much deeper conversations with clients about what they really wanted. We moved from doing a lot of transactional stuff to, all right, let's, for us to build a plan, we need to know who you are and what you want. And so uh, through that, and we, we were doing, we do about um, anywhere from 12 to 15 of these roadmap plans a month. So uh, it's a pretty significant amount of volume. And so you started noticing these patterns. And so we developed this initial methodology about five years ago that, that uh, was based off um, things we'd learned serving Fortune 500 companies. And so we built this methodology uh, and when I presented to people initially, they loved it. And then the adoption rate on an ongoing basis was not good. So started thinking about why, why is this? Uh, why are these recommendations to the client buy into, but then, or say they, they espouse, they say that they buy into it, but then they're not actually adopting or falling through. And first I thought I'm doing something wrong. I'm not presenting it properly. There's something wrong with me. Like my personality is usually to assume that like I, I didn't do something well enough. And then I finally realized that all of the frameworks that I learned don't apply to small business. So everything that I learned in business school, not everything, a lot of what I learned in business school and, and then a lot of what I did at the board and then at other places that I worked before I started my own firm, that that entire framework was based off maximizing shareholder value. Publicly traded company, 
got to maximize shareholder value. You don't care about your shareholders' priorities because you can't. You've got thousands or hundreds of thousands. So you can't really try to uh, please every one of your shareholders. So what you have to do is just make more money. Make more money, have more market share, have the most of everything, maximize. And what I realized was business owners that I'm working with, who I want to work with, um, cannot maximize. They, have, uh, they don't have the resources, the time or the money to do it. They have to optimize what is the most efficient path forward. And once I realized that, that unlocked everything. I it went like, okay, well, if I'm optimizing, what does that really mean? Well, I have to figure out what I'm optimizing towards. So what, what am I optimizing towards? And then how do I decide what I'm gonna do first? And um, how do I decide if a thing is worth doing? So if I have an idea, how do I figure out if it's, if it's worth doing? And if so, if it's worth doing now. And so it's just started like pulling at the string and all of a sudden just that paradigm shift of, oh, I'm trying to help every client maximize when they need to optimize. That's a totally different framework. Okay, I need to rethink everything. So the last three or four years I've been rethinking everything that I do for clients. Um, and whether it's, you know, budgets, key performance indicators, cash flow analysis, you know, all these things you expect from your accountant or CFO, I've started think, rethinking like, well, what does a small business owner need if they're optimizing? How is it different? And so we keep pulling at that string and trying to get closer to the, the truth for small business. So that's sort of been the, the, the arc and it's been just keep asking the question. Why, why is what we're offering not working? Yeah, because you have to keep track on your clients and improve your methodology towards that. Yeah, that's totally makes sense. Right. I want to ask you this one. You started the CPA's company by yourself or that time you already have the business partner or you already have like some people working with you at that time at the time that you just started. Yeah. So the full kind of chronology, I guess, is that 12 years ago, I started the firm on the side. So it's just me and I still was working a day job. And so I had two years where I was doing work for, for clients. And then, um, about two years into that, so 10 years ago, uh, I just decided to, to go full-time into it. And I had a business partner. So we were both working at a firm and we decided, okay, let's go into this as a partnership, the two of us. About a year in, he decided he wasn't cut out for, didn't want to be an uh, entrepreneur. He'd rather have a job. And he's in a much different place than I was. He had, I think, three kids at the time. Um, and we didn't, I didn't have any kids. So much different position and, and needed more stability. So, um, so he exited the partnership and I ran it for a couple more years on my own. And then Nolan, um, who's my long-term friend and we worked in a bunch of different, uh, places together in the past. Uh, he sort of by happenstance mentioned that he was thinking about leaving the, the job that he was at. And I was like, well, you know, I'd love to have you join at the degree. And, and so it just, that kind of fell into place. And then he became a partner a year after that. And, and after that, like how you expand the team then? Yeah. Um, 
It has been an interesting journey because what we do is kind of a 180 for, from what other CPA firms do. So we're leading with planning and really trying to be super relationship centric. And most, there's sort of this myth about hiring a CPA. The myth is that, oh, I hired a CPA, they're going to save me money. Mm. And mostly what the CPAs, accountants, bookkeepers do, they're mainly archaeologists. They're just digging up what you did in the past. And maybe they save you money because they identify something that you didn't know to ask. And so they just see something. Hey, you know, you've been spending a lot on uh, uh, supplies. Maybe we should cut that out. Or, hey, they ask you about last year, did you, um, did you contribute to a retirement account? No. Okay, well, did you know you could contribute uh, based off your income? You still, you still could contribute. So they're asking things about the past, but it's not necessarily forward thinking. Usually an accountant says this year, I'm working on uh, this year's tax return, which is actually last year's return that's getting prepared this year. So archaeologists digging up the past. And what we're doing is the opposite of that, um, sort of that inversion approach, which is let's talk about what you want to happen in the future. Uh, the tax code kind of universally whether in the US or, or, or globally, is fair in the sense that it's based off your behavior. So if you behave a certain way, you get access to a certain amount of deductions. So if you behave like a big corporation, you can get access to the deductions and things that big corporations get. If you behave like an investor, you can access to preferential investor rates. Um, and so what we're doing is working uh, with people to modify their behavior to get access to these additional deductions to get them closer to the things that they want. Uh, so paying less in tax means more cash flow. Having more cash flow means you can put more money towards funding your definition of financial certainty. So it's a 180. And I mentioned that because a lot of, of folks in accounting say they want to do planning. Uh, and then they start doing it and they realize, no, I really just I want to enter numbers into the software and I want to have a conversation, but I want it to be more on my, my term. So it's been a, um, a lot of work to figure out who is actually going to be good at planning and uh, really wants to have a relationship with clients. So it's taken us quite a while to figure that, that out and, figure, and be able to spot who's going to be a good person on our, our team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that would lead me to the next question is that and how you train your team to understand the same framework as you are. Yeah, well, right now we're building a certification, which is basically um, uh, a, a certified what we're calling a, a certainty CPA. So our whole framework that starts with defining your profit priorities, but there's a whole broader methodology to help people get closer to the things that they want, how to navigate preference-based decisions, how to, how to create asymmetric risk opportunities, how to systematically improve cash flow. Most people think that their cash flow is going to go up uh, and then they, over time, but really what happens is that there's all these, oh, everything's great. Oh, crap, I'm out of money. Oh, everything's great. Oh, I'm out of money. Uh, and so there's all this volatility risk is the thing that keeps going up, 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 up. And so that's because uh, business owners aren't armed with the tools to 
systematically eliminate risk, hedge, hedge the downside. So we've been building out essentially a certification of these methodologies I've created so that my team, I've got, I've got clarity and certainty that they know how to do it all, but eventually we may open the doors to other CPAs to kind of get, get certified as well. So long-term we're building this, this uh, certification and uh, uh, in the short term, we have a community called Wealth, Wealth Q&A. And so where, we te where I teach uh, strategies and approaches, something we call cash flow engineering, tax optimization, all these different one-off strategies. And it serves a couple purposes. One, it's a way to get new clients, but also it's been a way for me to document all of my methodologies so that my team can actually watch them as well. So I've been running two races. So while I'm teaching to my community uh, and educating them and helping them, I'm also documenting for my team to know how to do it. And so that's an example of how we try to create asymmetric risk where we try to run multiple races where the upside is most certainly going to be greater than the downside because even if I can't sell this masterclass, um, it's still a forcing function for me to document something I planned on doing anyways. And there's going to be a time savings because my team is going to be able to watch all the videos. And because they've watched all this stuff, they're going to be more efficient. And so I'm going to have a cost savings in the future in terms of how much staff I need to hire. And so, yeah, maybe I'll be able to sell all of this, um, but the worst case scenario is I'm still achieving other objectives at the mm. same time. Wow, that's make a lot of sense right now for me, because I joined your community, of course, and yeah, that that's totally makes sense. So when you see us teach something, uh, we've gone through this to figure out what's next, what's the next thing we should teach, Part of that is going, what do we think our community wants and needs? What's going to be the right thing in the sequence? Also, what do I need to do internally? So mm -hmm. we start tax optimization, which is a, a masterclass that we've been working through right now. Uh, because there was requests for it from our community. And also, I needed all that stuff documented for my internal team so that I could hand off doing a lot of the roadmap work that I've been doing on a one-on-one -on -one basis, my team could get up to speed on the stuff as well. So um, again, trying to create these asymmetric risk opportunities where I'm ensuring the upside is going to be much greater than the downside. Or, yeah. And part of that is just by eliminating the downside. The worst I'm case scenario good. is, yeah, the worst case scenario I'm still okay with. Yeah. Of course, like right now I see the picture and that's like totally makes sense what you are doing. Yeah, that's why because many people ask you, right? Like you used to do um, masterclass every day, like five days a week and like, are you crazy, right? Other people might ask like, are you crazy? But then um, that is actually the reason of whatever you take action on towards optimizing towards something that really you mean to do. Ah, oh, right, okay, I got it. No, I have a uh, CPA firm coach like we're part of the mastermind mm -hmm. and he pulled me off to the side and was like i don't understand like you're you're spending an hour per day like what are your revenues related to wealth q a like okay well you know seems like 
you know, your time would be more valuable spent you know, focused on other things. Well, what's missing is that uh, I'm being paid to document, to help other people. They're gonna become potentially prospects of our CPA firm long-term. And I needed to create this documentation anyways. Mm. So my, my team needs this uh, content that's stuck in my head. And so by creating a community and committing to certain dates, now I'm forced to have to create this content. So I can't keep putting it off because I know people are going to be showing up and they're expecting me to teach something. So I'm forced to do it. Um, and so the power dynamic shifts. If I'm, as the owner of, I'm supposed to do something for my staff, I always have the power to go, I changed my mind. Mm. The power dynamic when there's clients is, I can't really change my mind, right? I committed to something. The power dynamic is different. And so I try to create these forced multipliers and scenarios where I have to do something. People are counting on me. I can't back out. I'm pretty good at figuring out ways to get out of things. That's both a talent and a, and a risk for me. So <laughs> I gotta, sometimes I need to back myself into the corner to force myself to create something that I know needs to be done and that there's going to be associated savings long term. Yeah, because it's going to save your time and money in the future, of course. Yeah, and then you can work, really work on the business afterwards because this will be validated and also duplicatable. Like, that's amazing. 100%. Yeah, so oftentimes you get criticism from coaches and outsiders uh, because you're playing a different game that they don't understand. And this goes back to preferences and um, defining your profit priorities, which is right now I'm not optimizing this, like my lead domino, my number one priority is time. And so I'm not so money focused, like there's multiple currencies, it's not just money. Uh, that's a trap people get in, it's just always wanting more money. And so if that's your frame, the frame that you think through, and you see someone else doing something that isn't going to be a massive money generator, you're going to want to criticize them. Hey, what are you doing? Your time is more valuable. You could be creating much more money elsewhere. It's like, well, you're not asking the right questions. I'm not optimizing for money right now. I'm optimizing for time. And so the behaviors that I'm, I'm doing right now are under the lens of creating more, more time long-term. And so, Anyhow, there's a lot of overgeneralized feedback people give because they make assumptions about what you're trying to achieve uh, and they're not asking the right questions or fully understanding your profit priorities. So if you understand someone is optimizing for more time, their behavior would be more different or would be materially different than someone who's optimizing for money. 100%. In case anyone wants to work with you, how can they find you, follow you, or reach out to you then? then? Yeah, probably uh, the best way right now is if you go to profitflywheel.com, profitflywheel.com. Um, that will get you onto um, a ongoing kind of free masterclass that we do every every few weeks and access to um, other things that we give away and e email list and all that sort of stuff. So all of our free resources you can get at, at Profit Flywheel and that sort of the the, the entry way to uh, get access to the CPA firm or uh, Wealth Q&A community or the Certainty app, 
everything sort of filters through, through there. So that's probably the best starting point. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me today, Dan. Yeah, thank you. It's a pleasure. I hope this episode inspired you to get unstuck wherever you are in your journey so that you can have your business that support your lifestyle. Get a show notes at helpyougetunstuck.com today. Start implementing what you have learned. The results of your consistent effort and improvement are worth it because you deserve the freedom to enjoy your life. Speak to you next time and don't forget to get unstuck.